Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and you're all around hiring guru. And boy, do I have a surprise for y'all today. I can hardly believe I'm sitting still at the moment because I have known this gentleman, well, through his books and through his podcast and through all his different media for years. So I'd like to welcome Ken Coleman, two-time Wall Street Journal best-selling author, host of The Ken Coleman Show, and key member of Dave Ramsey's team at Ramsey Solutions. Whether you need direction for your life, want to make a career pivot, or maximize your potential, Ken wants to help you get the clarity and the confidence and the courage you need to fulfill your unique purpose. Ken, this is such an honor to meet you today. No, the honor's all mine. This is a lovely studio. I'm so excited about what you and I have in common. We're aligned in so many ways. So I'm excited to be here. We have so much in common because literally like your book is like reads my life. (laughs) It's so... You're the real life proximity principle. It's everything I believe. You know, when I read it, I was just like, oh my gosh, I don't need to write my book now because you've already written it. (laughs) It's just so amazing. Well, I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much. And you know, I've I've loved getting to know you through your work when you were on the Entree uh, Entree Leadership Mm -hmm. podcast, Dave Ramsey's podcast. It's just, and I, and I can't remember, who was the young man that you turned it over to when you left? Oh, George Campbell stepped in for me. Is, that, is he still there? He's still there. He's doing his thing. He's one of the Ramsey personalities now. So he <sighs> followed in my steps as far as moving from a hosting role into this uh, personality role, which is it's just our way of describing uh, someone who is uh, bearing a message uh, on behalf of Ramsey Solutions. And we're all very grateful for the platform that Dave has given us. It's, it's amazing. And, it, and I really love when... You know, you can see that he truly implements the values that he teaches just by all the different people because is Les Brown still part of the team? No. Did he leave? No, Les was never with us. I think you may be thinking of someone else. I'm not sure. I may be. Yeah, Les is a legend. Yeah. Uh, That would be a lot of fun. I'm (laughs) hungry. Yes, indeed. He made that famous. So fun. He did. I was just watching that again the other day, and I was like, that just never gets old. (laughs) No, it does not. (laughs) So one of the things I like to start with Mm -hmm. is how we got connected because, you know, it it takes a village, right? Sure. And that's part of the proximity principle too, is knowing your key players. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was a shocker because this came together so last minute. Yeah. So you want to share with our audience how we got connect- connected? Well, I, I don't even know if I know the entire backstory <laughs> because Kurt is my publicist and he was like, hey, do you want to do a podcast? And then you want to do another one? And I said, yeah, that's great. Uh, but I'm coming in uh, Dallas area. I'm doing an event tonight called Breakthrough. And uh, I was on a podcast uh, with Amberly Lago. And so oh, she's amazing. And then I got connected Amberly. to a guy named Trevor, who you know. Yes. And you guys are all in the same building. So I think that's the that's answer. That's the answer. Okay, good. All right. Yeah. So when you come in a building like this <laughs> uh, and you've got something you want to 
say, you should probably hit every bay on the way it, down the hallway. That's a really good idea. Yeah. We've actually got something kind of working. Yeah, I love it. In that, just so that we place. can, when we do have people like you that have such a great yeah. message, we can just maximize your time here that's in right. Dallas. That's so, right. and I'm glad you brought up Amberly Lago. She's yeah. amazing. Yeah, um, she is a force of nature, and I see. I say that with all admiration. Yeah, uh, she's she's really great. She and I had a great time on her podcast. And I love her story. She's helping so many people. She so. is. And she's been on our podcast. Oh, good. good. Yeah. yeah. So, And she's actually, I run an organization here locally um, called Success North Dallas. Okay. I call it a premier relationship building organization as opposed to a networking organization. Mm -hmm. And we've been going for almost 35 years. And she spoke there. Oh, fun. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I've had lots of opportunities to touch. In fact, she was just there last week with us. So, but tell me about you and mm -hmm. tell me about your time with Ramsey Solutions mm -hmm. and how did you even get there? Yeah. Well, that's a big question. I'll try to I'll try to make it brief and let you fill in the details. Uh, I am a coach by trade. I think if I look at, you know, best-selling author, mm -hmm. uh, syndicated radio host, podcast, YouTube, all the things, you know, uh, media personality, you know, on Fox News, blah 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 blah. If I stripped all that away, and I prefer to do that, I would describe myself as a coach mm. um, because I think that. For me, what I get the most joy out of is communicating, to connect, to encourage, to equip, and to really nudge people. Yes. I, I find being a coach is that opportunity to get in a position where if you do it right, you can nudge somebody. That yes. just and I, and I use the word nudge very selectively because I think pushing is overrated, but yes. I think many people when they call my show, in fact, I would say 99.9% .9 of the people that call the Ken Coleman show or will show up tonight at Breakthrough, when they ask the question, I think they already know the answer. But what they're looking for from me is that nudge to say what your heart is feeling is true, is right, and I think you should do it. And, and in some ways they're asking for permission that yes. I don't, have the authority to give. They're looking for confidence. And so that's what I do. I coach people and I do it all those different ways. We have a syndicated radio show, Sirius XM. Ken Coleman show is on podcasts, also on YouTube. So we're, we're everywhere that you want to be as far as content. And, uh, you know, I write books and, and I speak around the country. I coach CEOs. I coach executives on this very issue of engagement and talent acquisition that you're in that space for. Because Honestly, Casey, I've talked to 10,000 plus people. I'm not exaggerating. In the last five years wow. on my show or at live events like tonight where I'm taking live questions and I've talked to people who aren't happy where they are. There's a gap between where they are and where they want to be professionally. So all that to say, um, I'm in the business of helping people work on purpose. I, I love you so much. I mean, this is exactly no. what I'm doing as well. <laughs> right. I mean, because... I'm one of those people that was in misaligned in their career yeah. for 20 years. Yeah. And it wasn't until I found my purpose mm -hmm. that I began to bloom yeah, and right. I began to grow in ways that I never, I tell people this last decade, I have grown more mm -hmm. than the first, I won't tell you how many. So <laughs> everybody Yeah, knows. and I won't ask, I am a gentleman, <laughs> can't do that. So you are a two-time mm -hmm. Wall Street Journal bestseller. And I, I'm just curious because, I mean, the information in this book is, as I described to you earlier, it's gold. Thank you. I mean, it is a roadmap to find your purpose. Mm -hmm. And it's, I don't think it's easy. I think it takes some yeah, work. That's right. But it's exactly what 
one needs to do mm-hmm. to get to their purpose. And I, in, in hindsight, looking back, as I was reading the book, I was like, oh, I did that. Yeah. But not everybody knows to do that intuitively. Right. Yeah. So how did you get to this roadmap? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I wrote this book after uh, being on a podcast many years ago. It was probably now six, seven years ago. And I was on a podcast. And one of the questions that the host asked me was, if you could boil down your success starting mm-hmm. into broadcasting in your early 30s and scrapping, hustling your way to where you are now, if you could boil down that success into one lesson, what would it be? And at first, you know, it's kind of like, well, that's not really a good question because I, it's not just one thing. But in an attempt to honor the question, um, my brain processed this thought. And it was, I was really good about getting around the right people and mm. in the right places. That I had a nose for, you know, to, to use an, an old hunting dog kind yeah. of a metaphor there. And, and, and I basically on the spot just said, you know, when you're around the right people and when you're in the right places, opportunity ends up finding you. And, you know, we've kind of made this Hollywood-esque romantic vision of opportunity looking like you kick the door down. Mm-hmm. And it's bravado and it's daring and all this. And I don't think that's the case. I think most successful women and men in any area of life um, have gotten where they are because they've been intentional to be around the right people and in the right places. So coming out of the interview, I thought that's a pretty good thought. And I began to test it on the show. And then I developed the proximity principle just as a teaching lesson on the show. And the proximity principle says, in order to do what you want to do, you've got to be around people that are doing it and in places where it is happening. So there you break the principle down. The formula is the right people plus the right places equals opportunity. So all that to say, um, as I look back on my journey, it was about seven years uh, to the day uh, when I decided to really go for it, having no degree in broadcasting and, and no experience. And I, I, that is really the answer. And as you know, in the book, I outline five people and five places mm-hmm. that are archetypes that no matter who you are, no matter what lane you want to be in, it'll help you. And so I, I write and speak all from my own experience, whether I have learned it through observation or I've learned it through experimentation. And essentially, that's the book. And what it does is, as you know, it boils down success uh, or, or reaching that destination mm-hmm. to that simple formula which is if I just keep showing up, see, see the real heart of the lesson here of the principle is just showing up intentionality, right? So, I mean, I can, I can, I can identify the right people yes. and I can identify the right places, but if I don't show up and then watch this, keep showing up, then opportunity's not going to show up one day and knock on the door. And I can tell you story after story after story of unbelievable opportunities that came to me because I kept showing up and they would come to me later and somebody would remember me. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the, the short answer to how that book became a book. And it was really a joy to write because it was really from my own experience. I love what you just said because everything you say just resonates so well with my soul um, because we just launched our Women in Success here in oh, Dallas. Fun. Yeah, and my uh, my partner in crime, my soul sister, Karen Gray, was part of that experience. But the message and, and our intent is to have a, a, a woman to empower the other women in the room. It's only women in the room, right? Sure, sure. And that was my message. You just got to show up. Yeah. It's and you got to keep showing up. Yeah. And I've chronicled where I had showed up at each point yeah. 
to get to where I was today. Yeah. And it's all because I showed up. Yeah. Well, this is a really important lesson because certainly for millennials that are watching right now and listening mm -hmm. in, this is very important, certainly Gen Z. And, and I would also point out parents um, of younger people right now. So you got a lot of people, range of people watching and listening. And I will tell you that this is not taught in schools and I don't believe it's taught in the home as much. And mm -hmm. I'll tell you what I mean. For decades, we have been rewarding kids in youth sports, the arts and everything else. We've been rewarding our kids for participation because we as parents care more about helping our kids to feel good than helping our kids to do good. And so we see it most in youth sports, but for decades we've been giving kids trophies for losing 10 straight soccer games. And you laugh, but I mean, I, I'm not, it's I'm, absolutely, no, 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 it's funny. it's funny and sad, but here's what's happened. So now you, you have for decades now, we're talking about two generations, yeah, maybe three, because I think it began to happen with the boomers, with my parents. It happened a little bit with my generation. Certainly the younger group of Xers, I'm on the older side of Xers. But the bottom line is, is that you create this expectation that is unrealistic. And when you have unrealistic expectations, guess what you have? Unmet expectations. Mm. And so there's this frustration built on a false expectation that if I show up, not even do a great job, but if I just show up and I participate, I'm going to be rewarded. But the reality is, and the truth of the proximity principle and what you're teaching, what you believe is that we have to show up, but we have to show up and be excellent and then keep showing up with excellence. Yes. And then we earn, we don't receive, we earn. See, you know, receiving is a gift. If, if I, if I come to your house for Christmas and my wife and I come over, we're going to bring a gift. You've brought us for a party or whatever. And I'm going to give you something. You didn't necessarily earn that. You're just my friend. And, and so I'm going to give you a gift. And, and so that's the mentality for a lot of people. They think, well, I deserve this. Give me this because of my existence instead of I earn it due to my excellence. That is so good. So you mentioned your podcast, mm -hmm. and so that's live, and you mm -hmm. have callers. Yeah, call well, the in. show is caller yeah, driven. Yes, yeah, so it's caller. Well, it's less and less caller driven over the years because what's happened is is people are craving my commentary on the world of work. So we're taking things like mass layoffs yes. in the tech world, and I'm kind of helping people not freak out. You know, I'm going, hey, relax. This is what big public tech companies do. They overhire when times are good. Yep. And the minute there's a hint of a recession, they lay people off. And you need to understand these big public companies are just about the stock price. They're not about people. So it's that kind of commentary. And then I teach every day on the show. And then we do take callers. So of the questions that you get from your callers, do you see one that comes up more frequently than others? And if you do, what would that be? Yeah, there's a couple that come to mind. Um, I'll go with the first one because it's 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 the most simple, but it it, it trips people up. And I, I wonder if it comes up in your world of recruiting and coaching. So Let's uh, compare. I, it, this is the question. Hey, Ken, uh, I know that it's time for me to move on mm. from my current role but I feel so much guilt because these people gave me a chance. They invested in me and I just feel so much guilt. Help me overcome my guilt of leaving. That's one. Okay. And the way I answer that one is, well, are you doing anything morally wrong by taking an opportunity that makes your life better? No, they laugh, you know? Okay, good. You're not doing anything morally wrong. Uh, are you doing anything illegal? No. So therefore there's no guilt. Well, so let's remove guilt. And I, and I really boil down to this. What they're experiencing is, is fear. 
fear of someone saying something negative about them when they leave. And that's just, these are good people that are asking this question, but yeah. there is this sense of guilt for taking a better opportunity. And that is woven into us in our culture. That's one that I get a lot. And then the one that I think is really the most, I mean, it, it, they verbalize it in different ways, but it is ultimately, um, I've got something that I really want to do. Should I do it? Mm. It's that question. I mean, it's, they verbalize it different ways, but it's that question. I know what I want to do. Do you think this is silly? They don't say that, right? but that's the question behind the question. And again, it's back to that nudge. They're looking for me to be a sounding board yep. to save them from a horrific mistake. And that's the heart of the, 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 the average question we get is really about, I'm afraid that I'm going to ruin my life if I take a chance. Yes. But again, we've grown up in, a, in an American society that for decades now in the school system, Think about it. Yeah. The American school system, the public school system, and private schools as well, is about one thing, memorization or regurgitation. So we've conditioned people to, it's all about answering the test correctly. And the first thing you do when you get your report card or your test back is you look to see what you got wrong. So we've made failure this unbelievable one-eyed monster that lives under the bed every night waiting to eat <laughs> us. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. In real life, in business, yeah. you know this, failure are the stepping stones to success. There is no success minus failure. But we are conditioning human beings to go, oh, I got this many questions wrong on the test. <laughs> and like, that's wrong. Whereas if you're going to be a successful entrepreneur, if you're going to be a successful leader, you better embrace failure because it is only on the other side of failure that true success exists. That is so many knowledge nuggets. Just <laughs> No, you're very kind. No, that is awesome. I did have a question for you going back to the book, um, The Proximity Principle. And I apologize. I have not got your new book yet. That's okay. But I I'll still do the dig rest into of the podcast. That one. Thank you. I'll stay here. So the new book is From Paycheck, from paycheck to, to Purpose. purpose. Yeah. Yes. And when was this released? Uh, it came out in November of 21. Oh, so it has been out a it's while. It's been out. Yeah, yeah. And this was the book that, you know, I dove in on, on one specific topic here mm -hmm. on, on connection. Because this is a book about connection that will then open up opportunities. Yes. And in the time that I wrote The Proximity Principle, I developed a seven- step process or what I would call a clear path at Ramsey solutions were very maniacal because of the success of Dave Ramsey's baby steps mm -hmm. to come up with a clear path that guides someone from, from point A to point B. And so I'm in the space of helping people work on purpose, make really good money, but also experience tremendous meaning. And so I wanted to come up with a very simple, clear path that if I sat down with a 16 year old mm -hmm. or a 17 year old, it would be just as clear to them as it would a 66 year old. And so from paycheck to purpose is a seven step clear path. Get clear. I got to get clear on who I am, what I want to do, where I can do it, and how to get there, right? So that's get clear step one, stage one. It's in a race. We think of it in a okay. form of like a seven stage race. Stage one is get clear. Stage two is get qualified. Mm. So once I'm clear on what it is I want to do, I know that's the mountain I want to climb. Now I got to get ready to climb the mountain. Let's get qualified. Stage three is get connected, which the proximity principle is in that third stage. Connections are where progress is made, always. Stage four is get started. So I'm clear, I know what I want to do. I'm qualified, so while I'm getting qualified, I can be in stage two and three at the same time. I'm getting connected while I'm right. getting qualified. Then the opportunity comes. 
I get started stage four. Now I'm on the ladder, if you will. Yep. First rung, but I'm on the ladder. And then stage five is get promoted. And this is where I'm on the climb. I'm climbing the ladder in stage five. Stage six is I get the dream job. And the dream job is defined as simply this. You're spending the majority of your day using what you do best. How? Yep. You've heard me say this a billion times. To do work you love, passion. To produce results that matter deeply to you, mission. And so when we're in the dream job stage six, we've been going like this the whole way, Casey. And then we get in that stage six and we're on top of the mountain. And now our view changes. See, we've been looking up this whole climb. And when you get to the dream job like I've gotten in, in my dream job, uh, my view has changed. And so now I'm looking for new mountains to climb. Mm. And, and so now it's I'm not working for money. I'm not, I'm not, the meaning is there. Now it's about legacy. And, and that's stage seven, which is give yourself away. You work to give, not to get. And so then the, the cycle can repeat itself and you walk back through the stages and I'm constantly in that process. So from paycheck to purpose, that's a two minute snapshot of that book. That is beautiful. Okay, I'm gonna get that book immediately. You will love it. I, you know, I, I, I am a self-described book junkie. Most of my conversations start out with, I just read a book or I listened to a podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm the same way. Or I took an assessment. Yes. I love, love, love assessments. And speaking of assessments, you We've have a new assessment, one. right? Yeah, and so it's based on that three-part methodology. So I believe the human spirit is, is, is very much alive and well when we are clear on who we uniquely are. You don't have to fire yourself up if you're really clear. So the assessment measures three elements of every human being. Number one, talent. Yep. This is what you do well. Yep. And I want you to think of talent just for this moment as, as a lump of clay. It's rich. It's got a lot of potential. But but when, when we take talent and we begin to use it to learn, we, we practice, we get more training. Mm -hmm. It's like the potter taking that lump of clay, putting yes. it on that wheel, and we turn it into something like this mug, which is very usable. So that's where you go from talent to skill. But talent is one thread inside of you. The other thread is passion. I use that word on purpose because the word passion in the Latin is pati, which means know that. to suffer. So you will suffer for your kids. You'll suffer for your loved ones. You'll suffer for a deep abiding goal. Yes. You just will. You'll suffer patience, rejection, failure, right? So I wanted to use the word passion for this. And this just means this is work that I love. This task or these tasks or this role, when I think about it, I get the juice. As you hear me talk about on the show all the time, I get excited thinking about it when I'm in the middle of it. Man, I'm fired up. Time has stood still. Like right now with you, there's nothing else in the world going on. This is it because I'm talking about something that I care deeply about and I care about communicating. I enjoy communicating. So that's passion. The third thread is mission. Now, this is about motivation. You cannot motivate anybody. And I'm getting ready to give a talk to 5,000 <laughs> leaders in two weeks on the myth of motivation. Maybe we'll cover that for your leaders. But you cannot motivate anyone. You can manipulate them, but you cannot motivate them. Ooh. Manipulation is being a good parent. I tell my kids, you can't go out with your friends till your room is clean. That's manipulation. <laughs> Otherwise, being a good dad. Extrinsic motivation is what that really is. They are only doing it for reward or to avoid penalty. But true motivation comes from within. And it's called intrinsic motivation. And this is what I mean by mission, that third thread. What are the results that motivate you? You see, I communicate, but I don't communicate to entertain. That would be sports talk radio. I did some of that early on or maybe mm -hmm. acting or whatever. And that's all good. But for me, I want to communicate to encourage and equip people. It's about transformation is what I'm after. And so those results motivate me. So 
to wind it down into one simple sentence. If you spend most of your day using what you do best, your talent, to do work you really enjoy, passion, to produce results that motivate you and fire you up, mission, then you are on purpose. And you could be in different fields, different roles. There's multiple seats on that purpose bus, if you will, mm -hmm. that are okay for you. And so the assessment, the get clear assessment does just that. It's the greatest self-awareness tool I believe on the market because it measures those three things. And we give you a purpose statement to where you can hold it up and you can look at it and see this is who I am. I love, okay. So I use an assessment in my coaching practice as well. And I, and I feel like, and it sounds like yours is similar, but it goes a step further because I use it when I'm talking to people to make sure they're not misaligned in their careers. Yes. Because, sure. and let me tell you the assessment I use when my consultant looked at my results, he goes, you're doing exactly what you should be doing. You need to be in front of people. You yep. ready, fire, aim, you never mm -hmm. slow down. And he's like, you know, Something, just for an example, that you wouldn't probably be wired to do internally is be an accountant. Guess what my first career was for 20 years? Accountant. Yes. Wow. Now, where were these assessments when right. I started to right. go to school? Yeah, well, they weren't there. And here's the problem. It really wasn't taught in school. No. You know, everything said, is about go do the safe job. Yeah. But the safe job and that's what will I suck told. the soul right out of you. It, and it did. Yeah. And that's why I say, you know, sure. up until I made that transition... That's when I started to grow. And I tell people, and I'm sure you can resonate with this all the time. I never work a day in my life mm. because I love what I do. Mm. I love to get up. I, yeah. I don't look for the weekends. Yeah. I would suggest that you actually work harder. Oh, I work pretty hard. <laughs> right. So, I mean, and I appreciate what you said, but there's yeah. this, but see, this is exactly what I'm talking about. I'm being really picky here to make a point. Okay. But that's a colloquialism that you just shared. And I've said it before until I got into this work. And now when people say it, I correct them every time with a good spirit. This idea that if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life is total horse crap. It's okay. garbage. Because you just admitted you work really, really hard. So here's, I did. <laughs> here's the point. Here's the point. When you do what you love, you actually work harder, you work better than you would if you weren't. So this idea that if I do it, and I get what people are saying. The heart of that phrase is, and I don't know who said it. They can't attribute to anybody. Right. But the bottom line is, is it's sort of wrong. And it puts out a message that... Well, it's, it's, you know, I walk in and it's like birds chirping and there's never hard. No, I think if you do what you love, you'll work harder than anybody else because you care more. That, that person who runs their own business, who cares deeply about the problem they're solving, they're going to work harder than anybody else. But it's that word passion that comes back again. I work harder because I will, I'm willing to suffer to solve a problem. Remember this, every business mm -hmm. exists to solve a problem or to meet a desire. It's one or the other. I okay. mean, they're solving a problem or meeting a desire. I'll give you an example. If I'm in the plumbing business, I'm solving a problem. Pretty big freaking problems at two in the morning. Sometimes. But my customers <laughs> love me, right? Because I, I help their life get better. Or I could be in the beauty world where I'm helping women look beautiful, whether it be makeup, skincare, hair, the whole nine yards. You're not solving a problem there. You are meeting a desire. And so you have to understand as, a, as an entrepreneur or anybody in business that work exists to solve a problem or meet a need. And when there's great purpose and passion in your work, you actually work harder. And I don't mean unhealthy. I just mean like it matters more mm -hmm. because you're not a quiet quitter. No, I I'm not a quiet you. quitter. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, I just want people to reframe that thought because if you finally step into this work that you were created to do, you'll be more driven. You'll work harder, work longer, 
because you just care deeper. It's just as a simple fact. But we're not teaching that in the, in the schools. No. It's all about go get a good job so that you can have a good 401k and you can have a good house. That'll be recession-proof. And it's just like, ugh, I want to throw up. <laughs> Nobody wants an average life. No. But that's what we're selling to people, average. I agree. One question I had um, about the book. Well, yep. two questions, but one about the book, one not about the book. I'm curious if you chose your five um, people that you need to meet, mm -hmm. did you what did it just organically become five, or was it because of what Jim Rohn says? No, no. A, I sat down in a coffee shop in Franklin, Tennessee, suburb of, of Nashville, one of the greatest places on the planet, and I'm sitting in a coffee shop called the Frothy Monkey. And I was sitting down with a pencil and, and a uh, moleskin notebook. Those are my two favorite instruments to create. And the reason I use a pencil is because you can just write anything that's on your head and heart. And if you want to edit it, it's just a simple eraser. Mm. And, it, and I think it just, for me, it releases writer's block. I can just go. And so I love to sketch on the pencil. And so I'm sitting down and uh, the publisher at Ramsey Solutions said, I think this is a book, this proximity principle. And... Uh, so I was sitting down going, how do I expand this thought into a book? Because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not lot. easy to write a book. It's a lot of hard work. And so I sat down and I said, okay, I, I looked at the formula because I already had the principle. In order to do what you want to do, you got to be around the people that are doing it in places that it is happening. And so I knew the formula was the right people plus the right places. So I went, what were the right people in my journey? Who were they? So I literally just wrote it out. I went, well, um, the producer. And I was thinking in terms of broadcasting. So right. I was like, there were some producers yep. that they're the ones that are making decisions to hire talent. They're creating shows. And so I was looking at that. So I wrote producers and then, and I went down the list and I went, well, there's the guy that I, that I went to his broadcasting school. It's a six week broadcasting school. I think he's the professor. Mm. So I wrote the professor. I'm, I'm a Baptist preacher's kid. So I tend to think in terms of alliteration. I can't right? help it. That's so I had two P's and I was like, <laughs> all right, what's the other P? So I'm giving you the inside baseball here. And I was like, well, I had some great friends in my life that really held me accountable, but also encouraged me when I got down. And those were my peers, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, so I had the professor, I had the peer or the peers, I had the producer. And then I thought, well, there were some people that I learned from afar. I never got a chance to have coffee with them, but I watched every Larry King live episode there was to learn how to do interviews. I watched Bob Costas. I got to sit with Ernie Johnson, who's the multi-Emmy award-winning uh, host of uh, NBA TNT, uh, the NBA Live on TNT with Charles Barkley and Shaq. And I had one coffee with him. And so I was like, that's the professional. I can't mm -hmm. hang out with him a lot, yeah. but I can learn from afar or maybe get a little moment with him. And so I had four Ps. And I thought, well, that's it. And so I went away and began writing and I developed the fifth person in the process of writing because there was one other person that represented three men in my life and that was the mentor. And so that's how I came up with the five people. So that the, the, the professor, it doesn't mean necessarily college professor, right. it's that person who can teach you just the basics. And then the producer, someone who's just winning in your field. So if somebody wants to get in your business, and they're in their early 20s, they need to be hanging out with you. You're the producer because you're winning in the field. Yes. You're way ahead of them and you're crushing it. And so then you walk through the rest of them. And so that's how I came up with the five people. It was truly looking back on my journey and trying to make sure that I have I had the right people represented. I love it. That Thank is, you. I'm so glad I asked that question because I would. I don't think that, I don't remember that being explained in the book. You know, I, I mean, I, I mentioned, I give examples in the book of each of the people in right. my life. But certainly, you know, it was just a process of, Again, revisiting my journey. 
Believe it or not, our time here has flown. Oh, I know. I'm I, having a blast. I, mean, I am too. And I t usually have three VIP questions that I ask at the end, but I'm not going to have time to ask Oh, all you don't three. have time? I'm so sorry. No, but I'm going to ask one. All right, here we go. This is what I think my audience would want to, me to ask. Okay? okay. All right. What is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? Yeah. So I am putting good things in my head right out of the gate. First thought in is huge. So for me, that is scripture. And then I'm meditating on the scripture and then I have a process where I'm very thankful. So I have a list on my iPad that I go through and I truly thank God for these specific things. And, and then I pray. And so that has got me in a place where I'm starting the day with something good and I'm starting the day in gratitude. And I'm also starting the day quiet and calm because for the rest of the day, I'm moving 150 miles an hour and I'm talking all day long. And so you cannot give what you do not have. And yep. so I need to fill up my tank every morning early so that I have uh, the right stuff to give. I do the same thing. Do you? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's nothing, it's nothing unique, but it is powerful for it's, me. It's so powerful. Yep. It's so, and you know, we have a group um, that's part of our success North Dallas. It's our young executives initiative. Oh, good. And there's a great book out there. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called the miracle morning. I have. Yeah. And it talks about that process. It includes a lot of what you just said. Yep. And I give that book to yeah every young executive that'll read it. Yeah. Is that Hal? Hal Elrod? Hal, yeah. I've interviewed Hal before. So have I. On the Entree Leadership Podcast. So, He's amazing. Yeah. That's good content. He has no idea how many books I give away of his. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah. Just so good. Well, this has been amazing. How do people get in touch with you? Because I know they're going to yeah. want to get both the books, maybe sure. attend a seminar. Sure. Well, two ways. KenColeman.com is the website where you can get connected, but certainly Instagram and LinkedIn. Just search at Ken Coleman on Instagram or LinkedIn uh, for connection. I'm very involved. Uh, you, if you if you comment on any of my stuff, those comments are me. I think people are surprised by that, but I spend oh, about wow. 30 minutes every day uh, very much engaged with every post and comments. And then LinkedIn, I'm very involved there as well. So uh, awesome. that's a great way to connect. And the Ken Coleman Show is everywhere. That I is mean, just awesome. wherever you want to listen or watch, we've got it. So I'd love for people to connect to that. Uh. Ken, this has been absolutely amazing. Oh, I cannot believe I got to meet you. Um, oh. I just, you know, it's Thank just you been for amazing. having me. You're very kind. Yes. I'm glad to be here. This is fantastic. Well, I have one last thing to say to you. Okay, good. You are a VIP. Oh, I feel it. I feel <laughs> and that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.